Hello, it's us and it's you. Yes. That's what a strange way to start the show. It's us and it is you. It's us and it's you. Just it's the little things. Mm -hmm. I used to like pointing at you guys during the intro, but I never knew which side you were on in the Zoom. Oh. Just being in the Oh look, there's a person in the same room as me I can point at. And hey look, there's another one. It's right. I am still just basking in, oh, look, friends. It's nice to, it is really mm. nice to be in the studio. Now, today is, uh, in Canada, National Truth and Reconciliation Day. Uh, it's it's um, it's the first of its kind in this country. It's the first time that uh, we have a country have actually sat back and, not sat back, I guess, taken a step and recognized yeah. um, our colonial past, the way we've treated our indigenous uh, brothers and sisters. And um, as a part of this episode, um, you know, obviously the, the whole point here is to, to sit back and listen. And when we talk about this sort of stuff uh, before, um, we've talked about this with many other causes as well. One of the things that we request of you is not to ask the indigenous person you know about this. It's not, it's like, oh, it's same with, it was it was same with Black Lives Matter, right? It's like, please don't just ask your black friend to, to, to uh, the history of racism. Um, you know, this is about us being proactive and discussing this um, uh, and and researching this. And so one of um, our community manager on the, managers on the Discord page for uh, Steve Dangle Podcast um, and SDPN as a whole, Robert Malloy, who you'll see all the time, he's absolutely spectacular. Legend. Legend. Uh, has put together a very large list, like mm-hmm. a long and, list. And the list is community source from people with knowledge of like, hey, this is where we should go to learn about this. Right, right. So you can see that right now on the at SDPN Sports Twitter page. We'll get it up on the Instagram page. Um, and also, um, it's underneath this video if you're watching this on YouTube. So the whole thing oh, is there. So you'll be able to to click. And, and again, Or listening on any platform when you go to the description of the audio, you'll be oh, able to click it right there as well. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. You can do that on Spotify? Do you not listen to our show, Adam? No, I watch it. Well, I watch the show. Maybe you should listen every okay, now and again. Okay, maybe I should. Maybe I should. I, I switch it up. I just, yeah, see, Steve does the right thing. Jesse, if you could get us on Spotify, maybe I'd listen to <laughs> I don't know. Um, so anyway, long story short, um, this is this is a very important day in Canada. We certainly hope, uh, I certainly hope that this spreads out uh, beyond just our borders. Um, but but for Canadians um, and for anybody uh, who may be listening to this, who cares? Mm-hmm. And and you know that's the whole point here is we need to we need to recognize what happened um, and and then walk towards how we bring everybody back into the fold because there's so many people that have felt disenfranchised for so long, generation after generation after generation. This is a start. This doesn't solve the problem, right. but it's a start and you can help by just doing research. And if you've got a few extra bucks, um, yeah, donating to some causes because I believe we've got some uh, listed there as well. So, you know, th- that, you know, I, I, I always understand and respect and love that there's acknowledgement that we're on stolen land but at a certain point, it's like, okay, we can acknowledge it, but what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And this is this is proactive. This is being taking a step forward. So we'd appreciate it if you checked it out. Yeah. I apologize that I stole this from you. Okay. Can I have it back? Like, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, imagine, imagine that. Exactly. Like, the what are we going to do about it is the important part. Right. Yeah. And, and the what are we going to do about it is going to come back in this show when we talk about what happened with the double IHF. 
Um, we will discuss what happened in the Ukraine a little bit later in the show. I was I was a little wrong on that one. You were well, but <laughs> see, here's here's Steve's problem. Steve means well and expects that others will mean well as well. Right. And that is, I think, in this particular case where you went wrong, my friend. Yeah. We'll we'll get there. We mm-hmm. will get and there. And we can do an AHC at the end. Adam's History Corner. And you wanted to do it on? Uh, the residential schools. Okay. We've done it before. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just important to do it again. Right. And we can discuss uh, a little bit of colonization as well. And why it's so important that we understand this in a different way than perha- perhaps we were taught in school. I'm, I'm smiling just because you got your teacher voice on. Oh, do yeah. <laughs> what what we're going to discuss, what we're going to discuss is a very... Adam's going to teach us. Well, I, I live again. with a teacher and that's... You, yeah. Is that, how, is that how teachers sound? Yeah. Yes. Okay, well... Steve, what are we going to do about Teachers this? around the world would be so offended if they found out that I was teaching anything. But I, I, I digress. Now... Tonight is another night of, um, uh, well, first off, it's AONFR Christmas Eve. (laughs) Tomorrow, our Amazon uh, All or Nothing Leafs episodes start. We drop one tomorrow, one Saturday, one Sunday, and uh, and then obviously Monday and Tuesday as well. There's five episodes of All or Nothing. We are going to give you five reaction episodes of All or Nothing, but we're going to kind of let them spread out because... I mean, some people can watch this all in one sitting, but I think sometimes, you know, like I'm just speaking for myself. You got a family, you got kids, you got stuff to do. I didn't. You got to work. Yeah, no. I no. didn't watch it all. It's, that's a lot of TV. It's a lot of yeah. TV, right? So we wanted to spread them out for you and let it breathe. So we will have our reaction episodes for you. But tonight, at, uh, just after 9 o'clock, um, and we'll put some teasers stuff out on, on Twitter as well, you are going to get the second world premiere clip that nobody else in the world has seen. That's what world premiere means. Not even Amazon. Not even Amazon. They are not aware. They have no idea what we're putting up right now. <laughs> what, what, what do we do with our phones? We set them to... Steal! <laughs> it's a special feature in Android. Steal! From the biggest company in the world, Steal. So, uh, basically... Uh, tonight, what you're going to get, and it's at 9 o'clock, and I just want to say, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about how it went on Tuesday. It was amazing. Oh, can we talk about the clip? 9 o'clock tonight, you're going to get something we're calling Keefe's Speech. Oh. It is one of the most unbelievable pieces of television I've ever seen. It is one of the highlights of the five-episode run, and it's going to change the way that you look at Sheldon Keefe. Forever. Oh, yeah. 100%. Forever. Whatever 100%. you think of him now, and, and, and for all of us, it changed it too. Whatever you think of Sheldon Keefe now, like him, hate him, whatever you think. I don't know how anybody could hate him at this point. It's like, poor guy hasn't really had a fair shake. But anyway, whatever you think of Sheldon Keefe, this is going to change what you think. It's going to deepen your understanding, and I think it's going to blow you away. And I don't want to, like, I want to say everything I want to say about the clip, oh. but we did that. In an episode of the reactions, this is so suffering. I don't want to. I don't want to just do our reaction show yeah. here on this show. So you should watch episode five of our reactions. I believe that's when I the, believe it's in the fifth. Episode, yeah, the fifth yeah. episode is when we go into that clip. Oh well, yeah, but should we mention that this speech occurs in the playoff series against Montreal? Almost that matters. Almost every piece of content I make is up within an hour of me making it. <laughs> this podcast goes up. Several hours later, if I shoot something with Drew at Sportsnet, we're talking usually max of 24 in special circumstances, 48 hours that it's up. 
that we've held on to this for so long. Five episodes about something I'm genuinely excited about. Don't do that. Last episode, you hit the tables. Now you're shaking the mics. Yeah, what is really? this? Oh, I, gosh. I also want to say that it's kind of neat <laughs> that dying. this weekend. I'm, 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 uh, uh, I'm so excited. I think, <laughs> I'm vibrating. The, I want This weekend, you're getting this show today, along with the uh, Chris Johnson show. Mm-hmm. And Chris, in his show, is going to talk about why he made the move from Sportsnet to the star, to the SDPN, and of course, most recently to TSN. Jesse was actually there for the recording it's of this. so juicy. Oh, man. Like, uh, they, like, they went over time a little bit. It's a 30-minute show, but I think they hit like 40 minutes. But there's just so much. If you're a fan of anything media-related, like if you want to break into the business, if you care about the personalities, if you just want an inside look at hockey, like it's Chris gives it to you in this in this 40 minutes. It's insane. And then you you get a look into his journey to switching from the companies in his last year, and it's really eye opening, and it'll give you a connection with CJ that you haven't had before. Like you're gonna be like, oh wow, I I know this man. Mm-hmm. It's Don't really worry. good. Don't worry, I censored all the stuff he was gonna say <laughs> about no no, and that'll nothing. be up before. I will not do that. It's his damn show, and that'll be up before this show. So if I'm talking about this right now, that means you can go and watch it right now. Yeah. Oh, it's up? It's up before this show will be up. Yeah. So that'll Can be Can I listen yeah. to it on the way home? No. Oh! Because no. <laughs> I'm here. <so. laughs> Just uh, everything I want out there! <laughs> oh, this is pain! Okay. <laughs> so, so, and this is what, I mean, this is why it's so exciting to have Chris working with us, you know? What if I drive he's, slow? Right? He's oh. such a... Uh, such a unique and unbelievable talent. Julian's amazing. And that show is doing really, really well. You know, uh, we don't often, our show especially, we don't pay attention to the charts very much. Uh, But that show up until yesterday, even without an episode in a few days, was still the number one show in Canada. It's still number five today. And then and then they're going to release another episode. What would happen if all of our listeners went to our uh, podcast on Apple and hit five stars so that we passed Chris? And we we oh. were number one. And Excuse and me, Chris we need is to number reestablish two. dominance. Or what if? Here, okay, you guys okay. are gonna like this. You're allowed to rate more than one show five stars, and you simply did that. Yeah, well, they they would rate ours now. No, and then we would pass it because it's no, but you get you do it's CJ a moving show too. Yeah, yeah, but so they would do CJ's and then do R's second. So you rate CJ's five and then R's five because it's a moving chart. So oh. if they rate R's second, will be the most recent to have the five oh, stars. So, so we'd be first. number one. So so everybody's kind of rating Chris five stars right now on Apple. So if they go immediately, you rate Chris five stars and then you do us second, we will be then number one. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Take the title away from CJ. Yeah. Is that mean? And Julian? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like genuinely mean. mean. And you know That's what why gonna... I was like, okay, but what if we didn't do that? <laughs> you know what he's going to do next episode now? He's going to say the same thing and be like, those guys. <laughs> anyway, we were to say Steve, Adam, and Jesse are assholes. <laughs> Chris, uh, uh, that that show with Chris and Julian has been great. Your reaction has been great. Thank you so much for, for everybody that have tuned in, obviously, so far. And I mean, the great thing is, is like, this is the third episode. It's so good. Oh. Such a great show. We knew it would be. So we're very excited about that. Again, I want to repeat too. Tonight, uh, 9 o'clock sdpn.ca slash all or nothing no caps it's really important that you don't have any caps jesse is against caps you can see that in the logo (laughs) 
Jesse's like, no caps ever, ever again. Yeah, so on Twitter, for some reason, our URL is case sensitive when we do when we have the all or nothing after the slash. So, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put all or nothing up, and I had caps on it because it's just a, a brain yeah. thing, and it didn't work. And people were like, "Your link's broken," and I was like, "So then oh. d- Jesse told me to delete it, put it down, and then and no caps, and then yeah. it works." I'm gonna I'm gonna go and try and fix it tonight. Hopefully, before that happens. Yeah. So, but well, we'll see. Anyway, it's it's gonna be an exciting one. The Keith speech is gonna absolutely blow uh, you away. Now, uh, you were breaking down the schedule of our weekend before we oh, got yeah. into the whole diatribe Sorry. about Chris. <laughs> I suppose I should do that too, and I should mention too, Mike Camito. A uh, hockey historian is coming on in about uh, 20, 25 minutes to talk about Hockey 365, his book. And we love Mike. And he's a, a really smart guy. But now, uh, let's talk about this weekend. So quickly, you get our show and you get Chris's show today. Thursday. Today, Thursday. You could be listening on Friday, though, or Saturday, or whatever. You might be in Australia. Then you get a Steve Dangle podcast every single day until the next recording of the Steve Dangle podcast. And that's pretty cool. The next day you won't have a podcast from us is next Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> and you're going to get wow. two. Holy you're going to get crap. one today. And then when we end it on Tuesday, you're going to get a reaction and a brand new SDP episode too. So you're getting two episodes on Tuesday. Right. Beyond that, wow. we are working on something that we cannot completely disclose. Okay. No, hold on. For everyone who gets frustrated by this, I literally don't know what he's talking about. And and in your schedule uh, for today, also the premiere of that five minute clip. Yeah, so yeah. we got we got two shows Three on the clip today. Things today, yeah. yeah. And then we've got episodes all weekend, right up until next Tuesday, where you get another double dose. And obviously, Chris, you'll have a double dose Monday too, because oh, yeah. Chris's show comes out Monday. <laughs> and then here's the other thing: next weekend, Thanksgiving in Canada is gonna be ballistic, and and I can't fully tell you what we're doing right now, but I want you to expect. Multiple episodes every day, but short. I'm going to explode. Oh, that. Yes. Okay. Fine. And it's going to be fun because, like, if you could sneak out for ten minutes, if you're stuck with your family, like, God, I just need to, I just need to get away from these people. And it's going to be a really fun little thing that we've never done before. And it's going to be five full days of it, just like bing, 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 and stuff. That's I think it's going to be great. We're super excited. What about is it, it. going to be? I'm not going to say. Should I say? No. Okay. Oh. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to tell you until next week. We have, uh, like I keep saying, we have so many things that we need to unveil. It was, for me, uh, for Steve, for Jesse, one of the most unbelievable summers we've ever experienced. Um, I will say that when I did go on vacation, I didn't get much vacation. Um, but, you know, we've been able to, to to do some things here that we wanted to do forever. And we're so excited to be bringing this all to you. So seeing Tuesday night happen, seeing that premiere, 1,300 people watching concurrently, the the chat on YouTube live was unbelievable. It's like just the just the amount of ding, 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 like it was impossible to read everybody. Did you like the poll that we ran? Which is Adam divorced? <laughs> <laughs> yes or yes with an question exclamation. Mark. Oh, it was a question. Yes or yes? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, uh, just tell us. And tell it. You know the worst thing about being friends with a radio host is if you argue with them. He's like, you know what your problem is? I'll tell you after the break. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're doing right now. What I don't want to do is overload you with too much information. That's why I'm teasing. I want you to know that there's Ugh. reasons to come back. But also, we have three major things happening today. Our show, Chris's show, Amazon On Demand, uh, sorry, Amazon Prime, All or Nothing. Gosh. You're going to get to see it. It's pretty spectacular. Vibrating. Steve is shaking the microphone. Again, um, uh, the, uh, 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 the All or Nothing for the Toronto Maple Leafs comes out on Prime tomorrow. October. 1st. I assume tonight at 12.01. Tonight at 12.01, uh, um, which is tomorrow. If you are on our Discord, if you're not on our Discord, first of all, get on there. 
Um, at 12.01, I assume when it drops on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. if you want to be up and you want to talk about it with anybody, Are you gonna be up? there's going to be people on our Discord chatting with you. Hey! There is a there is an all or nothing channel on our Discord where you can do all things show. And the beautiful thing about uh, writing on Discord is you can do spoilers. So if you haven't seen an episode yet, you can black out your text and then everybody who's seen that episode can click it and respond and reply and everything. That's but a good anybody idea. who's scrolling wouldn't see that text unless you clicked it to reveal it. So you can do spo- spoiler complete chats, write whatever you want as long as you put your spoiler blur over the thing you're talking about because people obviously haven't seen it. And then you can have your conversations with anybody who's watching the show with you. So if you want to stay up and do that with everybody on our Discord, go ahead and do that. Don't just, say that they lost. <laughs> oh, <laughs> delete that. Can you delete that? Can you delete that? I need also, <sighs> also just something to keep in mind for throughout the entire preseason and the entire season on the whole. For every game in the NHL, there will be an SDPN Discord chat live. So you'll be able to chat. Does not matter who your team is, when they're playing, what time of day, or well, I guess what time of night they're playing. That wouldn't um, matter. Which outdoor game they're playing against Chicago. It really doesn't matter. There will be a Discord chat that will be live and energetic, and I've gone through, and like even in the preseason, these, yeah. these chats are crazy. When the Coyotes are playing the Panthers, and it's oh. and nobody cares, and it's a Tuesday night, there'll be a game day channel where you can talk about you it with two other people. people. Yo, the, yeah. coy- yo, the Coyotes fans, listen, the Coyotes fans are, are passionate. They, they realize that they don't have the biggest group in the world. But they are passionate and they're all over our Discord. They got to be loud. Absolutely, they are. They do. Now, we'll, we'll have a Discord set up for the um, inter-squad Blackhawks game that happens between periods <laughs> at the Leafs Sabres outdoor game. <laughs> Instead of the Timbits kids, no, they get booted to the side. It's they bring the Blackhawks versus the Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah. Versus Taves. Yeah. So be great. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a hard right turn here. And when I say hard right turn, it means we're going from fun to serious. Mm-hmm. Oh. Chris Johnson reporting... Uh, that the Ukrainian Hockey League general manager, so the manager of the league, was fired for speaking out against racism. What? When did he, when did is, he tweet he that? He tweeted this out 28 minutes ago. His name is Eugene Kolachev. So that was, the guy, that was the guy who tweeted the punishment yesterday that most people retweeted, I think. So here's what he said. I have spoken openly about racism in Ukrainian hockey, and the Ukrainian Hockey Federation fired me as general manager of the UHL today. Will it solve the problem? No. Will it silence me? No. My voice has been ignored in the decision over the penalty against Andre Deniskin, uh, who showed a racist gesture to Jalen Semerek. Uh, Semerek. Semerek, excuse me. Deniskin and Semerek, yeah. I am publicly appealing to the AAHF uh, to conduct its own investigation of the incident and help hashtag and racism. Jalen, we got your back. So, so I, I'm assuming that Eugene was so Eugene was the guy that had to send this out yesterday. I, I'm assuming this 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 punishment, uh, where by the way, it took them too long to figure out what the heck they were doing, and then they figured out what they were doing, and what they hand down to uh, Deniskin is essentially a three game suspension with an eighteen hundred dollar fine. It's thirteen games, but if he pays a fine. He can get ten of those games back, and I saw I saw different reports of what the fine is. I think probably because it's American Canadian dollars and stuff like that. I think it's eighteen hundred oh. American dollars. Because I saw eighteen hundred. I also saw one hundred and eighty. I saw eighteen hundred mostly. Eighteen hundred. Yeah. Okay, let's settle on that. Um, now, wow. Obviously, 
we said on the last episode, hey, uh, this needs to be an enormous deal. Mm-hmm. And I think the person that actually summed it up the best is some guy you've never heard of named Elliot Friedman. <laughs> I was so excited for a minute. Who is this new person I'm going to hear from? Elliot Friedman. Who's ever heard of him? Uh, no one. Article from sportsnet.ca, how the IIHF should react to alarmingly soft Deniskin suspension. Friedman said that you got to do th- three things. First thing, the IIHF has to send a message that individual federations will face consequences if they cannot adequately police these incidents. Yes, the player needs a harsh ban, but if the country itself is unwilling to do so, shouldn't punishments include hurdles to the Olympic or World Championship qualifying or withholding funding the UHL would normally get from the IIHF? Wow. wow. Said these would be major consequences, but sometimes, sadly, you have to hit people in the pocketbook to make them feel remorse. And that is so unbelievably true. Number two, the IIHF has to make sure Semarek is uh, being paid while he's um, taking a completely understandable leave of absence. This incident is not the fault. Uh, this incident is not anyway his fault, and he should not lose a cent over dealing with his emotions. I'd argue that Semarek should be paid every cent of what he was supposed to earn this season, even if he doesn't play another second in the Ukraine. Yeah, I and I don't know what the salaries are in the UHL. I imagine. It can't be high. Yeah. It's not going to be high. I don't think so. Third, it is incumbent on the IIHF and really the entire hockey community to ensure that Semarek is found another opportunity to resume, resume his career. He's 24. He has dedicated himself to the sport, excuse me, himself to the sport, and should be rewarded for that. If he decides he does not want to stay in this current situation, surely there is another team in another country that can use his talents. It sounds like the effort is already underway. Semarek played for the AHL's, uh, two, uh, the Roadrunners yesterday, or sorry, yesterday, last season. Uh, there is some word that the American League is considering it, and there are some teams in it that are considering it. Um, you know, I mean, it was a relatively short article, and I'm sorry, Elliot, I, I just radioed you here. I read the whole thing, but I thought... I don't think I, he would be upset about that. I don't, I don't think... I don't think anybody summed it up better, and Elliot's really good for that, obviously. Uh, and, you know, we were talking last episode about pathway forward here, like what what is to be done? And obviously, you don't need us to tell you the suspension is soft. You don't need us to tell us to tell you it's short. You, you don't need us to tell you that it's not solving anything. And you don't need us to tell you that there's a racism problem in Eastern Europe. Duh. Right. And in <laughs> hockey. And, and in hockey yeah. and in Europe and in the world. We get it. We, we, not, not that we should stop listening to it, but we do understand that. And it's particularly bad here. You can tell it's particularly bad here based on the suspension. Akeem Aliou, uh, who is the chair of of uh, uh, of the alliance? He said, "Listen, uh, you know what kind of message this is sent? You say, you have a racist gesture and you lose a couple weeks of hockey. That's it." Yeah, that is uh, well okay. And so what we were talking about last show, going back to I, I generally try to assume the best of people. Um, is I said by the time our show is up, the double IHF will have made some sort of decision. Wow, is it taking a long time? Uh-huh. Now yeah. they absolutely have to. What I think they were probably hoping for, well, they, they've had to the whole time, but what I think they were hoping for was the UHL. They, they probably want to let lower governing bodies make the right decision. They have to at least sure. let them try. Let them try. They haven't. Yeah. They haven't. Uh, 
And now it's like it's no longer even about Daniskin, right? It's about the Ukrainian league. Well, it's about the Ukrainian league and it's about the precedent that it sets. Right. Like you in the UHL, you can do whatever you want. Basically, you can do whatever you want. You can, you know, do whatever racist gesture you want and you're going to face little to no consequence. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have so many questions for the people who made this decision because it became an international incident. Like, that's what it was. And mm-hmm. the opportunity here to showcase to the world what, if you care about hockey, you can showcase to the world what hockey means to you and, and what the community can do if something like this happens, you know? And your tolerance for a racist act. Like, the people in charge here had an opportunity to, on a global stage, to show what hockey is. And they chose not to do any of that. And instead, they chose to pretty much throw up their hands and be like, ah, this is kind of, it's okay. Like, it's it's nothing worse than a bad play on the ice, like a high sticking that gets you suspended or something like that. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just shocked that they wouldn't, if they care about the game, they wouldn't take this opportunity to show what it can be. I also want to say that um, his his club team, uh, HC Donbass, uh, or Donbass Donisek. That's Samaric's team or Deniskin's team? Is, I thought it was, yeah, it's I think it's Samaric's team. team. That yeah. is Samaric's team. Yeah, okay. Okay. They tweeted out that they were absolutely outraged by this as well. They yeah. are supporting okay. the player. And I want, to, I want to put this into context for you because, you know, this team, as far as Ukrainian hockey goes is about the best team they've ever seen in that league. They used to be in the KHL. They did used to be in the KHL. And in fact, when they were in the KHL 13-14, the last time they lost in the conference semifinal, they have won five of the last six championships in the Ukraine. This is the most influential team in Ukrainian hockey. By the way, they they also they, they took a three-year break, but they won in... 2010, 2011, and then again in 15, 16, 16, 17, 17, 18, 18, 19, lost in 19, 20, and then won again last year. If I remember correctly, I think their arena was severely damaged in the, um, I believe there was a revolution. Yes. Oh, yes, there was. Oh, yeah. And it was bad. Yeah. So this is a... Well, um, the damage was. This is a, uh, um, this is an extremely important team in Ukraine. And I do want to say, maybe the league didn't step up, but I really, I, I first off, I think this team is going to step up. I'm sure they're going to pay Jalen. Uh, I hope they're going to pay Don, Jalen. Donbass? Yeah. They would have the resources. They would have the resources they to would, do it. Yeah. 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 You would but, hope so, but like what's happened so far, it doesn't look like anything of that sort is going to happen. Well, I mean, I think the team, the t- again, the team tweeted out it's outrage. They think it's this is outrageous sure, as and, well. Okay. And then but so I did think, the GM and then he got fired. The GM of the league got fired. Okay. So what's happened here is there's obviously higher power. I don't know what the ownership structure of the UHL is, but I would assume that whoever it was is probably politically connected and probably not, probably doesn't care. And, but what's really important here, and I think that we have to give credit where it's due, that this hockey club, was, which is highly influential, is standing behind the player and that this general manager lost his job over this. And I think it's important that the fans of this league, and obviously because it's an international incident, um, are, are the fans of this team and this this league. It's like the New York Yankees coming out and saying, "Hey, uh, we're not okay with this." That has influence. That can create change. And I hope that them coming out, and I hope the other teams stand behind it. Obviously, I'm not sure about um, Deniskin's 
uh, club team. Donbass is the only UHL team I know. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, sorry. so I, I mean, I do want to, I did want to highlight that because I think it's important. It's important when influential people and influential teams take a stand. Um, I know it's basically the bare minimum, but it's better than what the league did. Is it not? Uh, yeah. And this is why, like, Fr- Friedman's suggestions, I would imagine, are uh, educated guesses, right? He's a very connected guy. Like, I don't think he came up with that, like, out of thin air. Mm-hmm. So if the UHL, well, I was going to say if the UHL fa- fails here, then he needs to be right in terms of what the double IHF does. UHL has already failed. So now it's up to Luke Tardif, who's been on the job for a week yeah. um, to come down on them. And he was just elected this weekend. Mm-hmm. And he, so he's not even, he's the president elect. Like, I don't even think Rene Oh, he's Fussell, not even in charge. Not quite yet. And I, I, I he said, obviously oh. Rene Fussell was, was kicked out, but I'm not fully sure that he's even fully taken over yet. Oh, that's a very interesting wrinkle. I did not think of that. Right. Really? Yeah, he was a real... Uh... Interesting. Well, whoever is in charge of the governing body, like, it, it yeah. doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't, like, what What are Fasel and Tardif going to be so differently aligned? Right. You know, I don't know about this racism thing. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, it looks like he is considered that, but again, he's... He's just started this, but he's been there for a long time. He's been a part of the double IHF for a long, long time. I know I'm looking at the board of governors for the double IHF here. And, uh, you know, I mean, you've got Bob Nicholson on there too. So you would think he would be a pretty major player. Um, And there's people from around the world on this. Pavel Bure is a council member. Uh, You know, it's, it's a, it it is sort of a who's who. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see what they do. I imagine that the double IHF is taking their time here uh, to get this right. Because I think... You don't have to imagine. Yeah, they are. So <laughs> they've had they've had 24 hours already at the time we're recording this since the decision came down. Mm-hmm. Right? Not even the incident. The the incident's like nearly a week old. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. Let's. I'm I'm sure. Like again, like we said last show, I'm sure there's all sorts of legalese that's getting in the way. But come on. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I wanted you like that's the latest update as of the recording of this show. I'm sure more breaking news will happen, and maybe tomorrow morning when you're listening to this, the IIHF has has dropped the hammer. But I have to imagine that they will. Yeah. Have to imagine. Um, okay, so we're basically getting ready to bring Mike Comito on here for Hockey 365, the second period, because you know he had a first period. See, Steve, here's the thing. Mike wrote a book, but then he wrote another one. See, if and his I'm book saying, is in the playoffs, it could go on for as long as he wants. It could. I'm just wondering where your second book is. Wow. What, you, what did you do all lockdown? Well, huh? I, uh, you know, got really good at Red Dead and NHL 20. <laughs> and then Leo was born and I got really bad at the one that I, you have to play online. And Red Dead where you can pause. Mm-hmm. Still great at that. Don't worry about it. Don't, it's okay, folks. Don't worry. I'm still really good at Red Dead Redemption 2. Everybody cares. Yeah, they do. NHL 21, it was pretty bad. Mike told me that he has a story about you. Oh, that he wants to tell on the show. Okay. I'm interested. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's bring him on. Bringing on Mike Comito from 365 Second Period. Mike, uh, this, I mean, I just want to say, look who's doing the forwards on this. Ron McClain, Bob McKenzie, and Chris Cuthbert. Jeez. Jeez is right. 
some big names. Now, Mike, this, for everybody that doesn't know, this is your second book from, from Hockey 365. So yeah. what is the, if you were to explain it to your grandmother who doesn't read hockey books, <laughs> what would be, well, like, what would you say? It's it, What's the book about, Nana? Yeah, so uh, so I have a, I have a Nona and a Baba, oh, uh, and okay. actually my uh, my Nona bought one of the books. I don't think she'll read it, but uh, but what I would explain to her is that it's 365 short hockey history stories, one for every day of the year. Uh, so we actually have 366 because you have to account for leap years, and so basically every day of the calendar year, you've got a different hockey story that celebrates a different anniversary or milestone in the game's history. Awesome, very cool. That's a yeah, that's a very. It sounds like an easy read, right? Like yeah. you don't need to be a, an egghead. <laughs> no, it's it, yeah. Like I, I think I try to write it in a way that's accessible and engaging and fun. I think the interesting thing that I learned after writing the first book is I had some parents come up to me afterwards and say, you know, my son or daughter doesn't like to read a lot, but they're hockey nuts and they read your book cover to cover. And so I kind of thought that, you know, going into this, I didn't think I was writing a book that would appeal to kids. I kind of thought I was writing a book that would appeal to people like me that are hockey history uh, fanatic. Uh, but uh, but you quickly learn that I think as the one page format per story, uh, anybody could read it, whether it's you're an old hockey fan or you're 10 years old and you love the game. That's perfect for me. We, I, yeah. I see like a, I see like a eight page chapter. I'm like, that's enough. I'm not getting through this. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Like, Mike, the thing is, is that hockey does have an extremely rich history, but because it is like the fourth of four top North American sports, I mean, it, it depends on what you include as top American North American sports. The, the history, like there's no ESPN 30 for 30s on hockey history. There's there's very little out there. I know Sportsnet and TSN do some every once in a while. But like the, the, the depths that you go with this history is pretty cool. And the thing is this game has changed so much over the last 100, 120 years. Some mm -hmm. of the facts in here are, are absolutely mind-blowing. And I, I, I was just hoping like... Is there something that stands out to you from the first book or this one, whatever you feel comfortable with, because we don't want to blow this book, um, <laughs> that, that like even as a historian surprised you? One of the ones that sticks with you when you think Hockey 365. Yeah, I mean, I think because it's it's largely does focus on a lot of the NHL moments. Certainly, I think there's some moments from outside the league's history, you know, women's history, women's hockey or international game. But I mean, I think the thing that always, you know, even though you know these dates and you know these facts, it always, you know, makes me chuckle is when you think back to like how the sport has actually evolved, like over the hundred years it's been in the NHL. Right. And so I've had a couple stories in the new book and the old book, just talking about the rule changes. I think things that we take for granted, you know, like that a forward pass wasn't legal for many years in the NHL until like the, you know, just before the great depression started, the idea that you couldn't pass within each of the zones, you know, now seems insane. Uh, the other one that I have, I think in the first one as well, is just the, the introduction of the penalty shot. And when they first did it in the thirties, you know, it wasn't the breakaway format that we see now. It was like, you were in a stationary circle from 38 feet out and you just took your best shot at the goaltender. Obviously it heavily favored the goaltender because really you knew where the shot was coming from. There were no surprises, uh, but it's things like that, you know, some of the innovations over the years, you know, with Art Ross and the tinkering that he done, that he did, you know, to help uh, innovate and improve the game. Those are always the things where, even though you you're probably aware of some of these things, if you, if you, study the history closely, it still always just kind of, you know, throws you for a loop when you think back just how much the game has truly evolved uh, to where it is now. I, I enjoy learning things about hockey because like, I, I feel like there's, I know like the, 
the 2008 Leafs onward, basically, because of LFR and stuff. So my old stuff is lacking. The stationary penalty shot is something I've never heard of in my entire life. <laughs> That's never even <laughs> slipped out of Jeff Merrick's mouth. And it se- <laughs> seems like exactly the, the sort of thing he would know. So th- I'm very I'm very impressed. For sure. Thanks. In a, in a hockey trivia competition, who would win, you or Merrick? Oh, Merrick would, would destroy me. Really? Absolutely. Okay. You sure? Yeah, no. I, mean, I, I, I was hoping you'd come like out and be to... like, oh, I crushed Merrick. <laughs> right? And then we'd bring you both on the show and have a fight. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, think I, would, I think I could keep it competitive. I would at least be alive in the competition, but I think for sure he would, he would bury me. Really? I, well, yeah. It, it, yeah, and you'd, you'd know it was over when he starts with, Mike Camito, I remember watching you with the Junior B Cobra Clouds <laughs> or whatever. Like he, when you were eight years old or whatever, like he, he would yeah. know everything about you and you'd be like, all right, it's curtains. Well, he, uh, so the other day, like we did a virtual book launch and Merrick was kind enough to host it for me. And we were going through some of the stories in the book and we arrived at a story about, you know, Jerry Topazzini, who used to play for the Bruins, was a big name here in Sudbury. And he had this, this bar before he passed away that's called the Beef and Bird. And it's basically just a tavern that you'd go to to drink and have a good time. And it was full of brewing stuff. But Merrick said, wasn't, didn't he also own a hotel? And I had never heard of Jerry Topazzini owning a hotel. I found out after the call that uh, one of the locals who was on the, on the launch with us said that, yeah, actually Topazzini bought the Belvedere Hotel, which I'd never heard about before, and then turned it into the Beef and Bird. So Merrick, even with something that like I should have known as a Sudbarian, he, he got me on that one and stopped me dead in my tracks. you got to be kidding. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's so Jeff. That's so yeah. very Jeff. <laughs> yeah, unreal. Now, now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sorry, I can't. I that can't get over that. Crazy. Oh, I oh god. I would. I would 100 listen to a Bill Burr podcast style Jeff Merrick. Just things he knows. Yeah. I well, yeah. he just launched a new show, so I think maybe mm-hmm. maybe he will. I hope he. I hope he does. He's doing a two-hour yeah. national show every day. There, there's a podcast idea for you, Mike. Fill in the gaps with Jeff Merrick. And like you say the things you know, and then he's like, and also they bought a hotel. And yeah. like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. you two yeah. going back and forth would be such a compelling show. Uh, who would? Who would? Uh, like, or or find the thing that Jeff Merrick doesn't know. Yeah, that would be yeah, that would be a challenge. I think. Right. Like, <laughs> what? what is it? Like full Penn and Teller or whatever. Yeah. It's called? Yeah. 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 Oh man! Yeah. You know we have a network. Yeah, well, <laughs> so does Jeff. Um, oh. So I, I think which you know, is it? Uh, I think, I think Mike. What's what's so cool about this is it 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 bite it gives us the bite sized version. You mentioned that, and and the thing with hockey three six five is that when I when I look at it, I look at it from a different perspective. Only in this way, when Steve was writing his book, which he never talks about. Um, <laughs> He, every day when we would go to Rogers to record at the Fan 590 when we were recording there, Steve would tell me an update on the book. And this is for a year, year and a half you were writing that thing? It was a long time. It was a long time. And it, it, dominated, it dominated your life, right? It took over Steve's life. And I, I, I look at yours, and Steve was telling his story. And it's like, what parts do you leave in? What parts do you have? We got this... This, uh, I, I did, you know, I did 14 pages last night and it took me six hours. And like, I, I you know, it, it, there's a lot that goes into this that I don't think people realize. And here's the thing about you is that you're researching 365 different things and you've done it again. Mm-hmm. So when you wrote the first one, did you go, eh, there's definitely enough gas in the tank to do a second period. And now you've done a second period. Are you going to just leave it at that? No, I think we've definitely committed to the third because um, they've even gone as far as, you know, restylizing the first book as new copies that get printed of the first one will now be called 
Hockey 365 the first period. Oh, and so cool. wow. I think I, I have to finish regulation. It's in the question of do you do overtime, sudden death, shootout, Game whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to do, right? I think there's enough hockey history to do all those volumes, but I think certainly when I did the first book, it was, I'd never written a book before, so I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, it, it was a very quick turnaround. I had six months to do all the research and all the writing, which oh. admittedly was insane. Um, I had, you know, at that point in my career, I was a, a year into a new job. I had a young, uh, you know, one-year-old at home. So it was a lot of late nights. Um, it was, by the time the process was over, I said to myself, I never want to do that again. I'm glad that I did it because, you know, the book is out and I, you know, I, I'm able to finally see all that hard work put into it, but I'm like, I don't want to ever do this again. And then, you know, the pandemic came around and I had been doing a lot of writing for the Kings and my local Sudbury Wolves team. And with those commitments kind of shelved, I thought, you know, now is the best time to kind of dive into another book project and spend months kind of doing it. Because that's the thing with writing a book is that it takes so much time and you're not able to share with everybody versus like an online article. You know, you get the immediate reaction to it and results that you see when people read it the next day. But a book, you know, like like takes over a year before it's finally, you know, out there in the world. And so uh, I just think the timing kind of lends itself to to doing it again. Um, you know, I'm not eager to do a third period right now, but I think if you talk to me in two years from now, hopefully my, my tune has changed because I have to finish regulation. Otherwise it would be, uh, you can't just leave it at two periods. If you didn't criminal. Yeah. Yes. That would, that would be quite annoying. Um, <laughs> so what, what did you, what was different the, the second time around? Like where, the, where did you have a similar experience where you're like, Oh, I hit the 265 fact wall. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you get a certain distance into the 365 and go, ah, I'm running out of facts. No, it's, it's, it's almost kind of like the opposite. I feel like once you get through like a significant chunk and you're like, I'm halfway done, you just like, I can, I can make it now. Right. It's, it's those first few weeks where you're like, okay, I've written six stories, but I have 360 to go. Like, this is never, this is going to take forever. Right. right. And I think as you keep pushing on and finding different ways to kind of, uh, you know, fill your day with writing. I think the nice thing about the second book was that I gave myself a little bit more time. I started writing it quietly without talking to the publisher just to see if I had the appetite to do it all over again. And then after a couple of months of doing it, I felt, you know, I've got, you know, 60 pages under my belt. I think I'm ready to pull the trigger on this and make it official. Um, so because of that, I think I was able to enjoy it a little bit more this, this time around, having gone through the process. You know, I, I think also, you know, as a first time author, you do all the hard work and getting the first manuscript together, but then the editing and the revisions come and that's almost just as worse sometimes. And so I think knowing what comes next better prepared me to kind of enjoy the ride that I had before I submitted it to the publisher. Every year I talk about the disaster team or the circus <laughs> team, the carnival team who historically in your writing and in your research, were you like, Oh, it's you again. Like which, which team kept popping up with the weirdest stories? Uh, it wasn't necessarily teams because I tried to do, uh, I tried to balance it out as much as I could, right? Obviously, I'm a, a Leafs fan. I know that not everyone's going to want to read like a like a Leafs 365, although that would be a good book and it would probably sure sell would. decent. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but funny enough, like one of the one of the recurring characters in the book was Doug Gilmore, um, oh. and I like to think that that was by accident. But Gilmore was my mom's favorite player, and so it was always Gilmore, Gilmore, Gilmore. Um, and so like, there's probably like, at least I would say like five different Doug Gilmore stories in the book, which is, you know, out of 366 is quite a bit considering you know, there's so many different teams and players that kind of come through. So again, I certainly appreciate Doug Gilmore as a, you know, as a fan of the Leafs and a fan of that era, but, uh, but yes, that kind of came in. I think I joke it about it at one of the stories in the book that, 
you know, your mom is always gonna be the first person that's going to read your work. So I guess if nothing else, I'm playing to my base and making sure that my mom reads the book by having <laughs> all these Doug Gilmore stories in there. But, uh, but yeah, I, I tried to keep it, uh, you know, I, I try not to constrain it too much to certain players or, uh, or teams, but certainly, uh, you know, killer had a way of finding his, himself into the book. Amazing. Well, listen, go ahead, Jesse. Go ahead. One, one final question. When we were corresponding over email to originally bring oh, you on, okay. you mentioned that you had a Steve Dangle story, and I want you to tell it to Steve on the show. Yeah, well, I think I think Steve knows this, but I, I'm sure a lot of people don't because I don't think I've shared it a lot. But uh, so Steve Dangle was the one who broke my heart when he told me that I was no, I was not going to be in the running for TLN's next top blogger back in 2014. <laughs> no way. Yeah. No way. Can I just say? I hated that. I I hated every step. Of explain, that. explain for people who don't know what any of that is. It was so <laughs> we did like a uh, we wanted another writer. Yeah. On the website, and we yeah. came up with this idea. The Leafs Nation. Uh, on yeah, sorry, on theleafsnation.com. Oh my god, Mike, that's so funny. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> wow. We we wanted a new writer, and and it was me and Justin Fisher running it, and we got an overwhelming number of applications which meant we had to read all of it yeah. we had to read all of it and uh oh yeah oh yeah man we made mistakes <laughs> no but i like <laughs> like we were I, adam muscaris i believe won oh okay he was that makes sense. so we got that right yeah. but uh yeah man i was obviously wrong about you <laughs> no no but i mean in i would say that in your defense like i had at that point had just started to kind of dip my toe in, uh, into hockey writing for like a, for a broader audience and i think the story that i chose to highlight the skills that i would bring to the website where i try to do a comparative analysis between the ontario spring bear hunt and tyler bozak to kind of make a <laughs> Some analogy between like the stats, the stats don't always indicate the reality. It was really, uh, you know, because my I was studying the history of black bear hunting and management at the time. And so it was a really weird piece that obviously was not what you guys would have been looking for. The funny thing looking back now is that I think one of the first things I'd ever written for a blog was I did like a fan post mm -hmm. for pension plan, uh, sorry, pension plan puppets. And the thing that I did was it was a complaint that EA didn't have James Reimer's uh, rating high enough compared to his actual skill level in the NHL. So I should have led with that yeah. and you would, and you would have hired me. I would have been like, this guy gets it. <laughs> and then you go into the bears. I'll be like yeah. the guy who was right about Reimer talking about the bear. No, it it's smart. Like with all those applications, yours is going to stand out because you talked about Tyler Bozak and bear hunting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but dude, I did not have the time for that. And I bit off more than I can chew. And Mike, I'm I'm so damn sorry that I <laughs> prevented you from writing two books. <laughs> yeah, and, and probably you mo you motiv more. it motivated me to start. I started doing my own blogging at that time, uh, just on my web on my web, on my own website. And then the next year, I was doing stuff for the Royal Half. So yeah, and two books now, and we're talking to you today. So I guess it all worked out. Yeah, Royal yeah. Half, and now LA Kings contributor as well. Mike also yep. contributes to LA Kings. So what are you uh, looking at me like that? Oh, no, I'm just saying. Wait, what are you leaning on? <laughs> you, you picked wrong, Steve. I know. That's all I can say. Check out both uh, of the two of three at least part series, we, we think. Yeah. Um, from Dunder and Press, it's Hockey365. At Mike Comito on Twitter. If you love hockey history, this is the guy you got to follow. Uh, just incredible stuff. Mike, it's so great to catch up with you, man. Thanks so much for making time for us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. So, uh, 
what are the rules that we learned while Lou Lamorella was in Toronto? Uh, you you can't uh, have any stubble. Yeah. You got to wear a suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to be good at hockey. The number one rule is that rules don't apply to Lou. Well, unless they're Lou's rules. Unless they're Lou's and rules. And they apply to Lou. Because Lou, give Lou credit, he follows his own rules. <laughs> but Lou's rules are not to be disobeyed. He is, and I think from a tough manager, which I would imagine he is, he's the best kind of tough manager you want because he'll write him out and say, this is it. This is what it's going to be. And if you want to be here, this is what it'll be. It's relatively simple. It's relatively simple. If you don't follow those rules, Lou will then also let you know what will happen to you if you don't follow those rules. Because I know with Lou in the past, and we've heard this with multiple different players, he sits you down and goes, you're not following the rules. If you continue from this point not to follow the rules, you will be gone. And you're lucky to get that conversation. Yes. Lou Lamorello said, and he never said this publicly, but we do know that it was a mandate with the New York Islanders that everybody's going to be vaccinated. Yep. This is not a question. This is not up for debate. Frankly, it's not even a choice. You will be vaccinated playing for the Islanders. And the science backs him up. It's, it's, an obvious, it's an obvious move for a general manager. It's sort of surprising that a few people have been like, well, you know. <laughs> There's also a mandate in New York State where you can't be in a sporting event arena unless you are vaccinated. Right. So it poses a problem for all of the New York sporting teams if you're not vaccinated and you're a professional athlete. Right. Because you need a vaccine to get into the stadium where you need to do your job. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. Will not be able to play home games this year. If he doesn't get the vaccine. Yeah, they have a little bit more runway because it's I, the Raptors' first game is October 20th. I don't know when the yep. season starts for everybody. Yep. That one's fascinating. Can't wait to get there. But as I understand it, lose rules are generally very simple. And straightforward. So and actually, if you, want to, if you want another great book to read, read Burke's Law. And, and have a listen to what he said. I, I listened to the book. Brian narrates it. It's great. But he talks about playing for Lou Lamorello, which Brian Burke did, played for him at Providence College. And what it's like. I admire you, I, that he narrated it himself. I do too. It's, uh, it takes a really long time. It's the most, <laughs> but, but with, with the book, it's the most succinct account of Lou Lamorello that we know so far. And even then, Lou is still enigmatic. You still don't know Lou Lamorello. And I think Brian acknowledges that. He knows him, but does he really know? Anyway, Lou Lamorello said, and New York State said, you're going to be vaccinated here. Bodie Wild, who from all accounts, spectacularly talented defenseman, second round pick, they said at the time, and, and I, I always worry about this moniker, so, so, so forgive me for this. But they said at the time, and if you read his, I brought up his elite prospect scouting report. Can I throw this at you? Do it. Yeah. Sure. Second this round is, pick, 2018. This is like, uh, first off, he's born in Montreal, Quebec, but he's a dual, and he plays for the United States. Ah. Bodie Wild is a talented, competitive defender that plays a tenacious 200-foot game. His balance and acceleration in stride are noteworthy. Never caught in no man's land. This is from elite prospects, by the way. Uh, or doing nothing. He's proactive. He's hard-nosed. Uh, and I'll skip forward because it's a long paragraph. Just absolutely loving this guy. Sounds here's, like an Islander. Here's the last line. 
Thanks to his quick thi- or last two lines. Thanks to his quick uh, thinking in making high percentage decisions, he can be very difficult to read and play against. All in all, Wild is a smart, competitive, sizey two way D man that can provide a team with numbers on the board and stability on the ice. And the Islanders are known for putting out pretty great defensemen. Oh yeah, uh, the Rockport, the forwards from Rockport are not necessarily. They're not always. They're not known for necessarily for that. Bridgeport. Bridgeport, excuse me. I don't know why I said Rockport. Bridgeport. You, you got them confused with Rockford. Rockford. Ha! <laughs> you put two teams. Anyway. Yeah. From Bridgeport. It, it took me a sec, though. I'm like, okay. Sounds real. I know that's wrong, but what's right? Sounds real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Bridgeport's known for, for putting out great defensemen. They draft well, they develop well, and the res- the proof is in the pudding. That's right. You've seen it, especially the last two playoffs. Um, and, of course, Bodie Wild was injured a little bit last year, but... The reality is this. He is now loaned to Sweden. And it's not even the top Swedish league. It's tier two. Tier two. So you have to know, and and here's the thing. The reason for that is that he was unvaccinated and he said it on his Instagram page. It's in the comments. He has an Instagram page that is now locked down, by the way, because I'm sure he's received his fair share of harassment, which is also not okay. It could have also been a mandate. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But he was saying in the Instagram comments, oh, no, you need to do your research. All the typical shit that you hear. Lula Amarello doesn't need to say anything. Lula Amarello does. And the New York Islanders put out a tweet. He's being loaned to a second-tier Swedish team. This is a player who, obviously, you know, we lost some season, like a season or a half season to COVID. Then, we, then he's injured. And he only plays, I believe, was it 22 games last year? 22 games for Bridgeport. Pretty respectable numbers, three goals, three assists. But he's essentially going to lose a very valuable development season in the AHL. The Islanders see this guy, at least you would think, as a part of the future, as a guy who has all the talents, all the makings of a guy who should be there. And you could argue that hurts the Islanders. Yes. But that is what Lou Lamorello is willing to do. Lou Lamorello is disciplined players far greater than Bodie Wilde. Many times over. Many, many, many times over. He learned. Did he learn, though? And here's the thing. I, I, I don't question Lou's decision. I think it's. I think actually that's what you need to do. I don't know if he learned, but everyone else did. Aha. There's the rub right there. Right there it is. I'm hey, Just so we're clear, here's Lou's rules. I'm not going to wear a suit today. I, I'm leading the team in goals. So I'm not wearing a suit. I guarantee you... You lead the Islanders in goals. You don't wear a suit. You're not playing the next game. You, like, again, it goes back to the Lou Lamarell conversation we've had a thousand times. I'm not saying, uh, you know, Duba shouldn't be GM or anything. No. But I'm saying people who point out Lou's flaws, and he, there are flaws. Sure. He's made some bad decisions. Sure. You're, you're just, you're not getting it with him. You're not getting it with him. The discipline and respect that he commands in every aspect of life just makes his teams better. They're not always going to win the cup. They're not always even going to make the playoffs. But his record is pretty good. And he squeezes blood from a stone. Who would have thought when Lou Lamorello took over the Islanders three years ago that that team is going to have a Vesna winning goalie? They're going to make the second round. And then the next two years after that, in the middle of a pandemic, mind you, 
they'd make the third round and almost make the Stanley Cup Finals last year. Uh, like a goal away. Defensively-minded team that has one of the best goalies in the league in Robin Leonard is going to lose him for nothing and be better. And <laughs> go also, further That also playoffs. happened. Yeah. And also, you know, all the problems that plagued the Islanders, the, the Brooklyn were halfway in situation, uh, that's gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, the Islanders for years, Nassau Coliseum was like, uh, it was like, well, it's under, uh, we can't get into arena. And there's only 13,000 seats. Uh, yes, it's a great barn. And yes, everybody loves it in there. And yes, Islanders fans are bananas. We can't do this. We can't do that. Lou comes in. He gets them out of Brooklyn. He gets them back in Nassau. You never hear a single complaint about it. And oh yeah, new arenas are ready for this season. Yep. It's done. Yep. He just does it. Doesn't say anything. He just does it. And in fact, if you've heard him in an interview, you know he doesn't say anything. Even when he talks, he says nothing. He says a lot of nothing. He's 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 very good at um I, oh god I can't remember he was still with the Leafs though and he spoke he spoke a lot like mm-hmm. it was it was at least ten minutes worth of answers and I'm like he didn't say a damn thing in ten minutes he used words and said nothing when it when it comes to Bodie Wild from everything I have read he should have gone in the first round and there were quote unquote character issues and usually what that means is there's is that really the case that's that's what I've read uh, wow now do I know that no I'm not Sam Constantino. I don't know, but because Sam knows every draft, him and Jeff Merrick know every draft pick ever, and they know where they grew up and what the, you know what I mean. They're like the Apple geniuses from South Park. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, and then they just exchange information telekinetically. Mike Vito's in there too. They just yes. Oh. Where does yes. McKenzie's list fall into that? Yeah. His top one hundred. Oh, oh man. man, they just yeah they get together every June and he, no McKenzie. Uh, put steel on his Android phone and takes <laughs> from American Constantino. That's right. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But but I think <laughs> I think here is the thing is is that this is not like us um, celebrating that this happened to this player. This is objectively not good for his development. You root for anybody who's that close to the NHL. You really want them to win. But you have to remember too, and Lou knows this better than anyone. These people that make the NHL, they have been the best player in every single league they've ever played in. And what that comes with is a little bit of special special treatment. If you played hockey growing up, if you played any sport growing up, even with the coaches, you knew the best players were treated a little mm-hmm. bit differently. And you're, you, you work in a corporate environment. The highest performers are treated a little bit differently. And I think these days you're taught you're special yep. uh, younger in hockey. Oh, yeah. Hockey in the gta is such a it's such a thing to watch because you see like eight-year-olds 10-year-olds being trucked around like professional athletes essentially and being treated with this this treatment that it's it's really a phenomenon you see it in like uh aau in the states with these and with these basketball players who who from the age of 13 are just in these schools that are specifically hey your job here is to play basketball, not to go to school. EPL, they're signing like 10-year-olds. Yeah. And to, like to for, the Manchester United Development School. And for us, that equivalent here in the GTA is hockey at yes. such a young age. And it's fascinating to see. You, you shouldn't be able to. T- how is that not illegal? Like, well, I, how is that? I'm not going to get into that. No, yeah, but, but, yeah, okay. But fair enough. I don't, conversation. I don't know. Talk to a child psychologist about that. I, I'm not qualified to talk about when, that. You guys are going to beat me there when your kids are playing sports. And if they're good, I can't wait to watch. Oh this. man, <laughs> I can't wait to watch the two of you. I I, uh, I I will say this. I think um, I think sometimes you have to remember 
And this, I, I, a lot of people just want to be like, ah, screw him, write him off. The guy's a teenager. Mm-hmm. And he's made objectively the wrong decision here. And now he's going to pay for it. And his development's going to pay for it. And if he had had a great year in Bridgeport, he probably, in Rock Rockport, <laughs> in Bridgeport, he probably, you know, if they get an injury in the lineup, that's the guy they're bringing up. And he's going to see someone else take that spot. And he's going to know that in Sweden, he might go in and dominate. But is it helping his game? He knows that not only is he going to spend this year in Tier 2 in Sweden, at least for the next little bit until he figures it out. Maybe if he gets vaccinated, he can come back. I don't know. Not only that, but he knows that when he does come back, it's not like an Islanders job's waiting for him. They're stacked on D. They're fine. So that means that you got another year in Bridgeport after this for the decision that you've made. You are not in charge. And a lot of times in in minor hockey, the star players, the tail wags the dog. Mm -hmm. Not here, not under Lou. So I thought that move was absolutely fascinating. And another reminder that Lou Lamorello, wherever he is in charge, Lou Lamorello's in charge. And can I just say, I don't want this guy to be punished. No. I just want him to get vaccinated. I want him to succeed. If Bodie Wild is vaccinated this hour, Vox goes to Johnson Johnson, Mm -hmm. is he unloaned? No, no. I think he I maybe. Think, no, I think if you're Lou, you go. No, no, no. We told you to do it by this date. Maybe he comes back three months in, but I think the the, the lesson still needs to be. I told you to do it by this date. You didn't do it by this date. Damn. And also, once you've loaned it, so like you know, you can't just yeah, I used, unloan. I like assume that. you can unloan. Oh, Lou could probably figure that. Out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but all the same, I just think you know it's a bummer because this guy. Probably could have been ready for the NHL by the earliest, maybe midway through this season, but like next year, next year. And just, you're making then you're making NHL money. Yeah. And like even if listen, I know the rookie deals kind of stink in comparison, but if you're a good defenseman like this guy, you're making NHL money for three years and then you're going into like, yeah, you might make two, three million bucks a year, and then you're like five, six, seven million life changing amounts yeah. of money. Also, and it's you're probably in, like your dream. Yes. You know? And you might get five to seven years in the NHL. Yeah. And you might have just shortened it. That is that's tough. Can, can I can I <laughs> I don't know if this is pathetic or naive. Um I part of me feels bad for him. Certainly. He's yes. been given bad information. He's been misled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's a kid. Because he's a kid. But he's an adult. And all all the players um, that you've heard these stories about, like, oh, you know, all the do-your-own-research guys, you go and check their social media and who they're following, and it's it's like it's like someone is like, like cutting their head open with a pizza cutter, opening the cap of their skull and taking a shit into their brain. Mm-hmm. Every time they mm-hmm. put, they poison these people, mm-hmm. these impressionable people, someone who's young like that. And it's costing him money mm-hmm. and him opportunity and other players money and other people opportunity. It's causing, it's costing others lives. Well, so, and I'm, I'm just, yeah. this is, this is why I always, I put my head in my hands when this comes up, I'm 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 done. Well, you know, if it works, how can people still? Uh, if you're vaccinated, you yeah, still yeah, get COVID. No, 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 so, no, 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 fuck it. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. We know. I'm not. We agree. We know. All right. right. We know. I wanna. I wanna. Go, I wanna go back. Asking the question that there is an answer to, 
Either because you're stupid or it's in bad faith. Which is it? Pick I want to go it's back binary. to your to your point about feeling bad for him because I think that's an important point. Salient point. A lot of the things we see online, a lot of the mis misinformation, like on especially on Facebook, on Facebook pages and on uh, Instagram accounts that are targeted to create this misinformation about whatever subject it is. It doesn't have to be vaccines. A lot of them are run by people who have malicious intent. Yes. yes. Either They're looking to take advantage of you. Yes. And for for the clicks, for the information they'll gather from you, for uh, stirring the pot for creating a narrative within society. Like a lot of these people aren't, don't run these accounts and put out this information in the world so that the correct knowledge and news can get so out there. We, we, they we do got, it. We got vaccinated for, people running anti-vax protests. They do it for ulterior motives. So I, there is, a, I think it's a very important point that you said, Steve. You do feel bad for people in these instances because we don't feel like they, they're not really doing it out of the um they're not trying to not be vaccinated because that's what they truly believe it's because they've been led down a certain road by people who are have malicious intents yeah it just you know it just it's it drives me nuts man so it, it drives me nuts yes. so no but i want to i want to continue this discussion with a, a bigger thing we talk about people being misled right that's a really important point and, and let's be straight. Most NHL players are not well-read, not well-researched. Hockey's their thing. I don't want to assume that about people. Well, yeah. Okay, from what I have... The, rep, the stereotype of a professional athlete. Sure. The, I think it was something... I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, uh, was talking in the NBA about the stereotype of the dumb jock mm -hmm. recently. Yep. That was this past week, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So great. this is... So this is okay. It's so based it, in some. So yeah, it's based on something. Jesse, you're right. Bad to paint with a broad brush. So let me take that back and let me start with this. We got three players, three notable players in the last week that have come out. Uh, Anti-vax, right? Oh, I, I need to do more research. Mackenzie Blackwood, Zach Ronaldo is not going to play in Columbus, and then we've got uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, who is going to forego something in the neighborhood of four to five hundred thousand dollars, depending upon who you check in with. Nine games in Canada that that's, he's not going to play. And that's five hundred grand. he will not get. They are all represented by Todd Reynolds from Uptown Hockey. Uptown Hockey's Todd Reynolds is notable for uh, tweeting against Sean Avery, something about, I think it was 2011, uh, that Sean Avery is wrong about marriage. And even though it's legal, gay marriage, and even though it's legal, it will always be wrong. Now, and also, interestingly, that is also Zach Hyman's agent. We should I, I want to throw that out there. People said, oh, well, it's all the we, – we excluded his top client, which is Zach Hyman. Mm -hmm. And I want, I want to say this. I just think it's funny how. I'm not going to insinuate that um, – I'm not going to insinuate anything beyond that. But I definitely think there's smoke there. I think that the two are linked. And I think – and this is just my opinion. Based on nothing. Okay, based on a little knowledge. Okay, based on asking around a little bit. That this that this potential, this agent here, and now Alan Roy is Bodie Wild's agent. I wonder what he's saying to, to Bodie Wild. I would love to know what Alan Roy is saying to Bodie Wild. Todd Reynolds and Uptown Hockey, I would love to know what they're saying to their clients. As an agent, your job, it is your fiduciary responsibility to your client. To give them the best advice possible. I bet he thinks he is. I'm sure he thinks he <laughs> is. 
But my question is, down the road, when Tyler Bertuzzi looks back at his career and goes, I can't get that 500000 bucks back. There's potential there for a lawsuit. If, <laughs> if this agent is misleading, even though he thinks he's doing the right thing, if you are, if you are actively spread, it's just funny how they're all just, they just all happen you're, to have the same age. Especially the only... because of the percentage of NHL players that are unvaccinated. It's, it's what, so a, small. A dozen? It's, it's very small, and, and you've got like a quarter of them. Uh, uh, exactly. Like, it's a, people did make the connection. Maybe he's just got a lot of clients. He doesn't. You can check it out. He's got he's got like a, a good amount of clients. I'm just, I'm just... The, Tim and Sid used to play a game called uh, Something There or Make a Relax. This... Something There or Make a Relax. Make a Relax. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they, would, they would say, we're going to make a relax or is there something there? It's, I realized and... I was getting very Italian on you <laughs> right. a minute ago. Sorry, I was doing the hands. And like when you look at this, when you lay out the numbers, it's not a make a relax. It's... <laughs> There's something, there's something there. there. I don't know what's there. I don't know. But it sure feels like there's something there, doesn't it? And I know that, that you know, that, listen, everybody's like, you know, we're the silent majority who, who comment on this. No, you're not. You're absolutely, you're like 5% of people. You just happen to be the loudest people in the room. It's, it's, here's the thing. This kind of thing ain't going to look good in the future. You can say it's your personal choice. Yeah, you'd be right. It's your personal choice. It doesn't mean it's going to look good. It's my body, my choice. Sure. You don't have a human right to play hockey. Or for the New York Islanders. Yeah. You don't have a human right to just do whatever you want. That's not a human right. Human right is to like water and, and food and, and, you know, and in the American Constitution, pursuit of happiness. You can pursue your happiness. You just can't pursue it here. And I think at the end of the day that there is something up here with some of these people and they've been unfortunately misled. And I think eventually those people are going to be need to need to be held accountable for that. That's what I think. This, this isn't the only way young hockey players get bad advice. Oh no. For mm -hmm. people. No, oh, and but imagine the effect that an agent who's been with you since you were 14 mm -hmm. has in your mm -hmm. life. I, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. Okay. This, the stuff, no, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Okay. No. Now, uh, a couple of things no. that we want to get to. Um, now, we've got... So, the Leafs last night... I'm like Pepe from the sign. I, I gotta sit down. If you watch the Leafs last night, I'm... <laughs> if you're Toronto, if you're a Toronto fan and you watch the Leafs last night, why? The Blue Jays were on. Right. Um, but, Mike, it was the Michael Bunting show uh, hat trick. And I love that Leafs all day put out a troll tweet with him. Like, you know, if Michael Bunting uh, plays with Tavares, it'll be a 30-30-60 season and he'll make Team Canada. And everybody took him seriously, <laughs> which is amazing. But Do you know how many LOL Leaf fans or dumb tweets are people just fucking with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's great. hilarious. Um, I did, oh did want to say it was nice to see Bunting do that. <laughs> sure. Doesn't mean anything. He's um he's a good Remember they brought in Nick Robertson for the bubble? Yep. And he was supposed to be a motivator mm -hmm. as a teenager. Um just by his presence. Hey, look at this. See this? Yep. What if this kid takes your spot in the lineup and he tries really goddamn hard, right? Mm -hmm. That's Michael Bunting. Michael Bunting is He's a he's a motivator. 
And he's motivated. He's pushing the pace. Because I was about to say, hey, do you think he maybe needs to relax? Because he's like getting into mix-ups after the whistle all the time. He's chirping at Scott Sabrin. And I'm like, that's a bad life choice. He's he's doing the, the fake punch and made uh, Thompson flinch. I love that. On the set. I love it too, but in the second or third preseason game, man. Do it. And and you know what? What did we say last show? You're in the shit. You're in... No. This is no, no longer preparing for the playoffs. You treat every day you live and breathe like it's the playoffs. He did, and look at that. He got a hat trick. And pissed off the entire roster while he did it. Well, of the Senators. Of the of the Senators. Which is a good thing because the Senators kind of ran the Leaf show last year. They embarrassed. The, they, they, it's not even a little. Like, it, even looking back, it's it. they really, the Senators may have had the most harmful effect on the Leaf psyche in the regular season last well, year. Some of, the, some of the worst Leaf games over the past few years have been against the Ottawa Senators. There was a game, there was a, it was a, and, and, and I distinctly remember it was a Garrett, Garrett Spark start. Um, that I think they lost 6-2 in Ottawa. Game wasn't even done yet. We had company over, and I had to leave to take Iggy for a walk. I, I, ha- I had to take him out. I was like, I- I'm going to strangle this entire roster. They blow the 5-1 lead last year. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So it felt good. <laughs> it felt I, it good did. for me. And no Brady Kachuk for the sentence because they're still not agreed. Right? So, uh, I, sorry, Jess? Uh, we should talk about how good Peter Morazic has been. Over the course of uh, these couple preseason games. Yeah, like, and again, it's preseason, but nothing really even looked close. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't... Those should be easy saves, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The athletic saves are great, but they often often come from situations where you're out of position. Uh, Kevin Pillar syndrome. There you go. Very interesting. (laughs) Start calling it. uh, You know, certain goalies, they manage to fly by the seat of their pants their entire career, Curtis Joseph. Uh, and but it worked, Dominic Patrick. It it worked for them. Um, yeah, he looked really solid. Mm-hmm. Hosang had that great assist. I I assume the always the plan was to be one A and one B, but this kind of just like confirmed it for me. Mm-hmm. Just seeing how well he's played, like okay, both these guys are gonna play forty one each, mm-hmm. which is or great. Whatever it lays out to be, which is ideal. Yeah, and maybe they won't get injured because remember last year what a juggling. Hey, you'll you'll see that in the uh, uh, all or nothing documentary how quickly both goalies were down yeah you you can't run campbell out there the way you ran freddie out there and you shouldn't have run freddie out there the way you ran freddie out there because he played two full years not healthy yeah and then look at what happened he had a good preseason game um 36 of 37 i thought this this was this is a quote from sheldon keefe and i thought this is the most important that i've heard of training camp so far david Kampf. he said i will run david Kampf out there against anyone and then he added that it will help him manage Tavares and Matthews minutes. So it's a pretty good chance. And Luke Fox is talking about it on sportsnet.ca this morning, one of his articles, that you're going to see some of those star players' numbers go down, in ter- not, not in terms of like what they score, but their ice time minutes. Because it was up for Tavares and Matthews last year, around like 23, 24 minutes sometimes. I think it's a situational thing. Because Matthews actually carried like a lot of the defensive load. Oh, he was very good. Yeah, and against the Bruins, they were running Tavares and Marner out there and Hyman to to cover the defensive load. They have not had a shutdown line. And Kerfoot was like the third line center. That's not a shutdown guy. No. Yeah. He's fine. You can use him in many situations, but is that his 
Is that the guy that you're like, Patrice Bergeron's really going to struggle with Alex Kerfoot? Kerfoot. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And I liked him and he did well in the playoffs. It's not that. Yeah. And I think I think Alex Kerfoot would tell you that. Yeah. I think in this case. I want to score goals. So we know, and I listen, and I know Mikheyev wants to score goals. He'll get chances. It's Whether or not he can bury them is up to him. But with with Kampf and Mikheyev, you know, Mikheyev with his Zdeno Chara start size stick, Kampf with his ability it's to win face-offs. And, you know, we were all like, who the hell is this? But the more I read on him, the more, like, Blackhawks fans are like, no, you're wrong. You're objectively wrong. Who's the who's the other winger going to be, though? That's the question I wanted to okay. ask. <laughs> it's, who do you put on that line? I don't know. It's looking like Kasha. Now, Kasha, Kasha's played, what, le- like less than 20 games in the last couple of years? He's been injured or whatever. He's, yeah. He did score 20 goals once. Mm-hmm. You got to make decisions very quickly in the preseason. And I think I'm about one more period of hockey away from not even bothering to pay attention to Nikita uh, Gusev. <laughs> what? No, really? you got to make decisions very. He's not even the best PTO they have. He's who's better, Hosang or Gusev? Hosang looked good in the in the and games he, he's played, and he's probably not even going to make it. So goodbye. Right. Get, uh, I saw a tweet. How did this guy light up the KHL? The KHL hit 44 points like five minutes ago. Where did he go? Where did it all go? It could have just been a rough two games in the preseason. You it's can't been have a rough, rough two, two years. Oh. It's been a... So, I, in, with, with David Kampf, <laughs> the Leafs will not shut up about him. Mm-hmm. They talk about him at every opportunity. They love this human being. Kyle Dubas loves this human being. Sheldon Keefe loves this human being. They put an A on his shirt last night. He was an assistant captain. Yes, it was a joke. preseason game. He <laughs> had an A on his shirt. He um he got 1.5 million in this in this market, which is it's tough. Uh for two years. So he got a little bit of term and 1.5 million. 235 games in the NHL. Fellas, I've never heard of this human being before he signed a contract with the Leafs. I'm embarrassed to say it. I I talked to a bunch of people last night who cover hockey. Or they're huge hockey fans. One of us knew who he was before he signed with the Leafs because of be a GM mode in NHL 21. Oh, cool. Mm. So... None of us knew who he was except for one who knew him from a video game. How did we miss him? Video game is also low-key a good way to scout players. I think It's so, an yeah. amazing yeah. way to yeah. learn hockey. Yeah. yeah. It's Especially w- fantasy mode where you just do a draft and you get up with oh, yeah. randoms. I promise you if my neighbor across the street did not get me NHL 99 for Christmas in 1990, I suppose it would have been eight mm-hmm. when I was 10 years old, I wouldn't be sitting here right now and I wouldn't have my job. I promise you. I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had such an intimate knowledge of Christian LaFlemme. Right? With a hammer next to his name in NHL 2000 because he threw big hits. And in NHL 2001, I wouldn't have picked Patrick Shelberg in every fantasy draft oh, because man. he had the stick and all he had to do was get Peter Forsberg with the first pick. He sends a cross crease to Shelberg. It's a goal every time. 73 goals. He can't be stopped. Patrick Sharp was always a UFA in when you start up your BGM oh. for like three consecutive because he didn't officially announce his retirement. So he was always available. And there's like, I'm going to sign him. He's, just, he's like still an 81. Alexander Selivanov. 
Oh yeah. Oilers will remember him. Oh yeah. The guy was a, he was a really great third line scorer. You need a goal in a pinch. Once had 15 for me in NHL 2000. And I'm going to trade for Keith Carney. Oh, cuz yeah. he's got a hammer. Yep. And he's going to and he's got the I'm a tough guy goatee, which was a tough guy style at the time. For sure. And uh, I don't know how we all miss this guy. Is it because no one cares about the shutdown players on a bad team? I think that's probably it. Fair. Because the Blackhawks... It's I Keith's mean, job to care. It's Dubas' job to care. It's not our job to care. Yeah, <laughs> but like, we, you wouldn't look at the players who are designated to be shutdown guys on a team that's not in the playoffs. You wouldn't yeah. look at them and be like, They're, they must be great at their job. Right, because it's like, well, you didn't shut anybody down. Mm-hmm. You didn't, you didn't the shut anybody down. You lost. Yeah, but that's not the way you should look at I, it. We all, we all miss this guy. Yep. We all miss this guy. I'd never heard of this human being. 26 years old undrafted um i think a great number of people were wrong about david kampf yep yep well hold on it's the preseason right oh well the two goals he has Mm -hmm. that's literally not why he's here um last night mark giordano scored the kraken win jayden schwartz i forgot jayden schwartz was kraken yes um uh and it was weird. I'm only bringing this up for one reason. First, I was good to see Gio score. He said after the game, it was kind of nice to get that out of the way in the preseason rather than the regular season. But but it was weird to me because he had to like do his lap of like his victory lap of like, hey, saluting the fans. He's going to have to do that again during a regular season, is he not? Yeah, that doesn't count. I know. Like, it doesn't, this isn't, so this... I sort of wish they hadn't played in Calgary because Giordano had to go, thank you. And then when the regular season happens, then it's like, Mark Giordano night. Right. It would have been weird had he not done that, right? Mm -hmm. Because all the fans in that building that night are not going to necessarily be in the next. Mm -hmm. It's It's nice that he did. Calgary Mm -hmm. fans do very uh, well by their former players, right? You saw Jerome McGinley, they roll at the red carpet. Which time? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Boston, Colorado. It was a very long uh, farewell tour. (laughs) Yeah, but they... He's you could put that beloved. on the back of a band T-shirt. He's, <laughs> the, he's the Jerome McGinley farewell one tour. <laughs> Colorado, Boston, Pittsburgh. The five minutes he was a king. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. he was a king. That's that's how I got on uh, Coach's Corner when he fought. I think it was Derek Engelin when he was still a flame. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he had a Gordy Howe hat trick and his returned seventh return to Calgary, <laughs> and everyone went. Hey! They they lost it. They, he's funny. beloved and Giordano's beloved. I think we should make that band t-shirt. Every time Jerome yeah. McGinley played <laughs> in as an opponent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put it on it's a great t-shirt. We should we should honestly yeah, <laughs> sell that online. And if he's got a charity, we'll we'll donate the we'll donate some proceeds. We'll donate the proceeds. He must have a foundation. He must. How long is the, the list? Jerome McGinley has disappeared forever in foundation because he's never seen in public ever. Oh yeah. He goes apparently goes and hides in the mountains, or he used to go and hide in the mountains in the every off season. Every off season, he was just gone. Yeah, no, you cannot get a hold of him because there's no reception. Yeah, like it's yeah, he disappears. What a guy! How about we? How about we start a foundation called the Find Jerome Ginla Foundation? <laughs> Where in the world is Jerome Ginla? I like that one better. <laughs> Let's go with the second Fair one. Fair enough. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we will donate to that and we'll go to somewhere something good. Anyway, listen. Um, lastly, before we get to the uh, before we get to the Blue Jays, um, NHLPA wants to loosen the game day dress code. The only team that's actually allowing for this right now is the Coyotes. They're allowing their players to dress however they want coming to the rink. And the whole idea here 
you know, the, the, the whole dressing the same thing mm-hmm. comes from a time in the last century when that was considered very important. And, and do not underestimate the effect of, and this you're going you're gonna to roll your eyes at me here, World War I and World War II on everything in our society. I was going to say it too. It's, you know, well, you're in the military and you're in the military at a young age. And it's, you got to do this. You got to cut your hair. You got to shave your face. You got to, everybody's going to look, we're all in this together. That sort of thing. It's, that is a mentality that you still see, but you got to remember back then and en masse men enlisted and women went and worked either in the military or in the factories. That's what happened. Right. And so at the time that would have permeated, that, that got you at a very, very important time in your life. You're 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. Um, and you're very impressionable. It just would have been normal. It would have been normal. And everybody was doing it. And that's why, you know, when the 60s come along and the the, the, the kids of the World War II generation who are now turning 20 uh, are going like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to grow mustaches and long hair. And everybody's like, I am offended. That's what people were offended by back then. There's a reason for that. Quit shaking your hips. And one of the holdovers from that in the NHL, which is obviously pretty conservative and super slow on this stuff, is, well, you got to show up to the rink all dressed in a suit. Lou Lamorello. Do I think... Yeah, breaking. None of the Islanders are still in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, the, so the NHL is going to... Or the NHLPA is going to ask for that restriction to be put away. Now, I'm sure it will be up to individual teams what they want to do. Like, I know for the Yankees, you play for the Yankees, there's no facial hair. They're like, no beard anyway. I think you can do a mustache. No beard, and you cut your hair. Mm-hmm. Like even Randy Johnson cut his mullet to play for the Yankees. There's that one pitcher who has a mustache, so I think you're right about the yeah. Yeah, Garrett Cole, I think is right. Isn't it Garrett Cole that has no, it? it's another guy. It's it's a it's one of those things going to be very very interesting because inevitably you know the NHL is going to let this go. They're not going to be like we're mandating suits. The, the NBA got rid of it. I think the MLB has gotten rid of it. Yeah, no, no, pretty sure no, they don't. Show there's no suits. suits. Yeah. Um, and so the NHL will get rid of this. I think this is going to happen. And then, but I'm curious about, not that it's not overdue, but why this, why now? And that's what's going to be interesting is, is I want to know, I want to talk to the NHLPA and go, this has clearly become a major issue in the last few years. Why didn't this happen 10 years ago? And why is it happening now? I'd love to know more about that. There has to be, uh, you know, if the NHL's put, the NHLPA is pushing for this, there's obviously enough star players going, I'm done with this. Yeah. I uh, Forgive me for bringing it down, but hey, re- remember all the times we were like, where's the NHLPA on this? Where's yeah, the NHLPA on that? <laughs> but most players are like, I don't want to wear a suit anymore. Oh, guess what, Gary? No more fucking suits. And then they get their big boy pants on and they have something to say. Right. But when it gets, I don't know. Yeah. It's to a serious issue again. I don't know. Yeah. We don't hear from them. Yeah. The and- NHL must see the NBA specifically in that they've been able to monetize really the the NBA players walking to the arena. It is now it's a it's essentially a fashion show for the players who are celebrities in pop culture, like the the big names mm-hmm. like Westbrook and LeBron and all of them. They wear certain brands and they get posted on these Instagram accounts with their outfits walking into the arena. So the, I assume the NHL players like Matthews, who is on the cover of GQ and sees all of these things and how the other leagues are doing it, those guys must speak up and be like, "Hey, there's an opportunity here for us to become 
bigger names and and use this use this little walk up that we do every every game to hundreds of thousands sometimes millions of people that the, the, why can't we not wear a suit it's one of the worst things the ufc did mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, all these all these athletes had all these different advertisements that helped fund their training and the ufc just sort of went okay well you can't do that anymore right. and here's a little check i'm sure matthews wants to wear a drew house hoodie on the way to the arena of money for it and maybe he has a deal there where he gets uh, paid like elliot said earlier in the show even though he wasn't here he said it through his words hit him in the pocketbook yeah. when your pocketbook starts to be affected by that you can't wear you know what was it that the nfl stopped uh was it russell wilson from wearing beats headphones or something like that yeah on uh for when they're warming up before the uh before the game mm-hmm. it's a big show it's a big to-do in America to, to film the pregame in the NFL. Like You always show the players throwing the passes, running down the field, doing the sprints. And then now they've, they've completely relaxed all the rules on that. So guys wear like custom shoes that they're not allowed to wear during the game. They have a bunch of logos on them. And then it was really started when guys started wearing the Beats headphones because Beats paid everyone to wear Beats headphones for like a five-year period. Every celebrity in the industry was wearing Beats headphones. That's why you should, you should watch that Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine documentary because they talk about that oh in, do in that the fourth episode of it on an hbo actually a fascinating documentary even if it's a little bit older anyway sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah so yeah so that that became a controversy because everybody started wearing beats headphones the nfl is like we're not getting a cut of this you can't just be getting paid to wear headphones and then eventually all those rules were relaxed because imagine an organization be that pulls in like 40 billion a year going yeah we're really upset that we missed on that <laughs> right P- part of the part of the reason i i kind of laugh at the oh we can't have logos on helmets we can't have logos on on jerseys and stuff. I've I've been part of uh, commercial shoots that that commercial I did with Mark Savard, and I have on all my equipment, and I got on a jersey and I got a stick and everything. But they had to put tape on all the logos because you can't just use another company's logo in in a commercial. The I was pulling tape off my shit for months, like just forgetting. Oh, I didn't rip this oh. piece off. I didn't rip that piece off. You don't realize how many logos you're wearing at any given time. Yeah. Next time you, you get dressed up for hockey, count them all. Count them. It's dozens. Well, and that's why everybody who gets mad about the jersey ads and the helmet ads, what do you think CCM is? <laughs> like whenever somebody tweets me, and I was going to tweet this out, and I was going to be a total shit, but I was like, do I need to deal with the headache? Everybody who bitched and whined and complained about the jersey patch being on the... Do you know... Do you remember, like, the, the 80s jersey said Nike on them? The 90s jersey said CCM and Bauer on them. There was the, the, the 2000s jerseys had, I think, CCM and Bauer. They, they had five years. Reebok contracts. for Reebok a while. Reebok for a while. Oh, yeah. And what then do you think? It's a Coho. CCM, iTech, all of it. Like, Adidas Yofa. Now. Yeah. Like, we know helmet. Ken Reed wears a Wayne Gretzky Yofa helmet. Go look at any goalie. Yeah, and you guys are mad about a little patch on a jersey? It says Adidas already. Yeah. What's now, the problem? The equipment is already branded. No, What's the point of putting on another? I can't watch the game. Now, I'm not <laughs> I saying... I can't focus with Scotiabank on the helmet. I'm not saying, Even like, though it's all over the ice. <laughs> I'm not saying, like, like Ed Belfour's iconic eagle mask, you put Coldwell Banker, like, over yeah, top yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm not saying That's that. That's an interesting choice, but okay. It's, yes, you I know, don't... What? I tried <laughs> to pick real the estate... Most, Thing, but I anyway. tried to pick the most boring company I could think of. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Coldwell Banker. <laughs> I don't it even know what boring, that is. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what? But you know, it's boring. Okay. Yep. Can they do accounting for me? Uh, maybe they're probably capable of it, but it's not their job. Uh-huh. Right. You know. Yes. Like it's one of their. If they got fired from that job, they could. 
do that if they wanted to. Anyway, I'm just, yeah, next time you're playing hockey, count how many logos you have. Uh, It was staggering to me. Even the stick. Mm -hmm. The stick I was holding, I'm like, there's five warrior logos on this stick. Yes. And like, oh, yeah. There was, there was, we had to even pause a couple times. I'm like, oh, we missed one. Well, that that's cool that the NHLPA decided to step up on this issue. Yep. And I <laughs> uh, look forward to them stepping up on more. <laughs> are, we done, right. are we done for the year? What then? did you quickly want to say on the Blue Jays, guys? Hooray! <laughs> they won. And maybe by the time you watch this, they've lost. <laughs> I don't know. This season, I like, I, I couldn't believe it when I asked you. I'm like, wait, by the time we have our next show, will, will their season be done? Yeah, season or will be over. Or regular season will yeah, be done? Yeah, yeah. There's only, what, four or five games left? I think it's four. Four, yeah. So um, Steve and I were talking yesterday because I I have never had faith in this Blue Jays team coming down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think they're they're too young and too inter- inexperienced, and there's too many instances where they they had that beautiful stretch, and then there's one game in between where they just they have this Toronto Blue Jays team because I think of their age um, has Toronto Maple Leaf syndrome, mm-hmm. oh. where they mm. they blow games where they're, when they're having a little hot streak. There's there's the Tuesday night where. The, the Rays come in or they're in Tropicana and they can't win a single game, you know, it like, and I just, I never thought they, they were going to close out this little stretch here. Like the uh, 2012 Jays did where they had their post uh, trade deadline stretch where they ran into the playoffs. And that was unbelievable. 2015, 2015. Yeah. Sorry. I never thought this Jays team would be able to close this out and that they're still one season away from being, the playoff contenders, this, this I'm going to use Chris Johnson's word, the juggernaut with their bats that they can be and having Robbie Ray come back at an enormous contract that's going to be disgusting for eight years um, and make the playoffs. Right. But I didn't I didn't believe in this team. And then you told me, shut up. <laughs> because they choked on like a, like a 5-2 lead or yes, something. Yes, yesterday it happened. But it was great. I So I saw the score and I was like, nope, nope, nope. Going to keep watching the Leaf game. Nope. And then the Leaf game ended, and I switched channels, and I got to see Bo Bichette hit a home run, and yeah. everything was fine. It was 5-2, it was and then it was 5-5. Five, five. And then Bo Bichette had to hit a home run to make up for it. According player. to me, yeah. Toronto teams won 5 nothing. It was 4 nothing for the Leafs, <laughs> yes. and the Jays won one nothing. That's how I choose to remember that. <laughs> there's, there's the, I want to say two completely opposite things. Mm-hmm. One part of me is like, if they don't start the season in Buffalo, there isn't a chance in hell they miss the playoffs. The other part of that's me, a great point. The other part, <laughs> there's no chance. Yeah. The other part of me says what I said about the 2017 Leafs because it was getting towards the end. It looked like they were gonna make the playoffs, and people are like, "Okay, they finished last last year. Mm-hmm. Will you be mad if they miss the playoffs?" Because there's still a young team going through growing pains. And what I said was, yes, I will absolutely be mad because they're in a playoff spot right now. And if they miss, it's because they lost it. Mm. And I feel a little bit like that for the Jays, who, again, they start the season in Buff- or in Toronto, no chance they miss the playoffs. No chance. But they things, were in it. things happened the way they did. They were in it, and now they're out. Yep. yep. So it's, it's very... 
and and the the other thing it's, it's so tight the other thing i wanted to acknowledge about the blue jays and when they're good it's a different feeling as opposed to the raptors and the leafs because with the leafs you get you get the biggest fan base obviously mm-hmm. but you have the other side where people hate the leafs and they don't believe in it and it's just a torture fan base and it's not it's not exactly fun when the leafs are doing good but and then the raptors they're not as big as the other teams and it's kind of it takes the raptors getting to like the conference finals for people to be like, oh, the Raptors are doing stuff. You don't really get the lead into the playoffs. They also get bone-on coverage. Yeah. It's a bummer with the Raptors, yes. man. I, I, I like they they just do not get the coverage that their fans deserve. Yes. Eh, the Leafs kill it, and the Blue Jays are a force of nature. Mm-hmm. And in terms of pull in this city, the Raps are three. I yeah, yeah but I don't know that that's going to stay that way for a long time. I I agree. But I'm telling you, that's the way I think one and day it'll be Raptors number one. So then when the Blue Jays are good, you have this universal acceptance from the entire country, really. It's it's an incredible thing to see, because, and especially the time of year, too. Because like when the Raptors and, and Leafs are going at it, they're going at the same time. And here in this little postseason area with that the MLB exists and the Jays when they're doing well, you see everybody care about it. And it's yeah. the most important thing in the city at the moment when they're good. And it's it's great that we're back here. And I think it's going to be like a probably a five-year run with this squad because of how much leg room they got here with everybody's contracts and their ages. So it's going to be really fun. I just don't think that this is the year. They also have a rich owner. Yeah. And that, that helps. That Teddy. Helps. Uh, Teddy. <laughs> and I, I, it shows. Sorry. No, 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 no. Please, please. I was going to say it shows how damaged the Leafs brand is. <laughs> Because, like, they make the playoffs. Who's even excited? Like, you. Listen, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm upset. I'm <laughs> already. Yeah, like, I was <laughs> upset before game one. I'm like, guys, I don't know about Montreal. You guys are like, nah, don't worry. About I feel physically ill. I know. Like, but <laughs> the Jays make the playoffs. It's, it's, a, it's a feeling in the city that I remember from when I was a kid yeah. about the Leafs when they would go several rounds deep. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's, it's a roller coaster of emotion, mm-hmm. it's, but a good one. But the city, it feels like everyone's your friend. Yep. Everyone in the world. The city feels, that it's an overused and abused word, alive. Mm-hmm. The city feels so alive. And uh, this is something that the Leafs have to overcome, even in an empty fucking building, apparently, where they feel the weight <laughs> right. of being the Leafs. The Jays, it's like all the fans there are to cheer them on. And then with the Leafs, it's like everyone's there to watch you not fail. Yeah. <laughs> It's sure it's, hope you don't fail this one, Dick. It's what it is. It's let's go Jays versus come on, you fucking bums. Literally. <laughs> go do this again. God damn it. That's exactly it. <laughs> there was a little bit of that for the Raptors. There when was. when Demar and Lowry got destroyed in four games by um no. Le- when it turned into LeBronto even well yeah, LeBronto, no, that, that, that was and, that and, was a bad feeling and Demar was kicked out of the third or the, the fourth, fourth his quarter? last game in Toronto he didn't make the last five minutes like he wasn't on the court he got kicked out no but even when they won the championship they're up three one and they lose game five and everyone goes oh fuck <laughs> oh yeah. fuck and then before clay thompson got hurt oh fuck <laughs> when kd came back for one game oh <laughs> shit and then uh danny green gives it away oh my god that was that was there wasn't golden state warriors fans would be in the same position and be like Come on, mm-hmm. you can do this. And Raps fans were just like, Jesus Christ, I can't even watch. But I, you know what? They did it. They did, um, it. did it. They did it. 
And now, but now the new, it's, it's almost like them winning a championship allows them to move on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Leafs, they can't, they can't move on. I, uh, I want to quickly mention here, um, the story too, about Milwaukee, uh, Brewers pitcher, Devin Williams. He was placed on the 10 day IL with a fractured right hand. He had too much to drink on Sunday after they celebrated mm-hmm. making the playoffs. Oh, no. He got upset about something and punched a wall and broke his pitching hand. He will need surgery and will probably miss the entire playoffs. That sucks. Is he good? I don't know. But he's on the team that made the playoffs. Who cares if you're good? That sucks. Yeah. That sucks. All better players than him have done that. Yes. LeBron I, James after game one. I want to make sure we have enough time to do AHC. So let's get into oh. the press conference. Yeah, I'll hit AHC. the button. All right, let me hit the button. The SDP. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. And a good reminder that all of the resources that you'll need for National Truth and Reconciliation Day in Canada, and you know what, it doesn't matter if you're from Canada, listening from Canada, 40% of our audience is not from Canada, not listening from Canada. That always shocks people who are like, what? You're not a Canadian-only show? Absolutely not. Not even close. We're on the internet. Not even close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is international. It always has been, but I, I appreciate you saying that. This internet um, thing's going to stick around. So if you're, and I know our, our, our listenership in the United States is very socially aware as well, so if you want to see some of those resources, please check them out. Uh, underneath the video in this, uh, you can see it on the SDPN Sports uh, Twitter page. We're going to get it up on Instagram, and let me just talk about this quickly. Um, Jesse asked for a residential school system. I did talk about this. Um, so I'm going to abbreviate this, but the reality of it is this. The the Canadian government, when it first formed, had what they saw as an issue. You have a country that essentially is a collection of disparate British colonies. You've got Prince Edward Island. You've got Quebec, which is, you know, already got an issue there because there's two nations, right? There's the the French Canadians and yep. then there's the then there's the English speaking from... Nope. Newfoundland joined Canada in like the 40s. 49. Like 49. 1940s. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then you've got, you know, what, what used to be Lower Canada, which is now Ontario. Upper Canada, sorry, Upper Canada was Ontario. Lower Canada was Quebec. Then you have Prince Edward Island and uh, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. A lot happened. And then on the other side of the continent, you've got British Columbia. And the whole thing was in the first five years, how do we get a railway track across that? And so the Canadian government goes, we have all these problems already. I got a whole bunch of different nations. It's not a more uniform nation like the the mother country at the time, which was England. And and, and people, by the way, will argue that because England is its own nation, but so is Wales and so is Ireland and so is Scotland. So the question is, what do we do with the indigenous people that were already here? They are living a lifestyle that is different from the Christian white lifestyle and way of doing business, frankly. It's much different from our way of life. We are in control here and we don't know what to do. So they get together and they think, well, if we educate them in a school system that is like ours, like the ones we grew up in, and we make it free and we pull them away from all of the traditions of their forebears, then they can integrate into society and eventually one day their culture just won't exist. And you'll have a far more integrated and 
frankly, I think the term is homogeneous society, where you have that, that's what they were going for, and that was very much a, an attitude of yeah, homogeneous, homogeneous, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the that was very much the attitude at the time. Nationalism, uh, by the way, peaked in the probably in the early 1900s with you know right before World War One. Nationalism was very important at that time. We have a national identity. We stand for this, and that makes us better than you, France, and better than you, Austria-Hungary, and better than you, Russia. And by the way, all those European countries all felt the same way about England as well. And Canada adopted a lot of that because it was a lot of people born in England who were ruling the ruling class here. So obviously that creates uh, another problem for them, which is, oh, we're broke. We're a government that's literally broke. It's tough to collect taxes. This is not a wealthy country. really isn't. There are some wealthy merchants, but it's not a wealthy country. And it's sparsely populated. It's got less than 5 million people. So your tax base isn't great. So how do we create a system, a free system of schooling? Because they can't go to the indigenous people and go, you have to pay for the schooling. Because they'll say, uh, with what? Right. And so, so if you want to get people into this school, it, you got to make it free. And you don't have any money to make it free. So what do you do? You turn it over to the Catholic Church. You turn it over to the Anglican Church and multiple other different churches that exist within Canada at the time. Majority Catholic. Uh, but that doesn't take the other parts of Christianity and the churches that represent are represented uh, by that off the hook. Right. Yes, it's majority Catholic, but that doesn't mean that the Anglicans weren't just as responsible. It just happened to be more Catholic schools. And Catholicism, as you know, has a history of going into other cultures and saying, but this is the book. Yes. Right? That's their that's the mandate of Catholicism. So um long story short, they pull, they start pulling people out of their tribes, pulling people out of their homes, their villages. Their communities. Their communities. Yeah. And they strip them of the ability to even speak the language they've grown up with. So imagine you're six or seven years old. You don't see your parents for years. You're brought to a school that's underfunded. You are underfed. You cannot speak your language. You have to speak this new language. And here's the thing. The schools were underfunded. So did they teach them any skills that would, I don't know, actually be useful in a town like York, which later became Toronto, or the big metropolis at the time, Montreal, or the second big metropolis, Quebec City? Absolutely not. They didn't teach them things that were usable. Yeah, they might have to repair the school or something and learn some basic carpentry skills. But it's not as though these schools set them up for success in white society. So then you got the option of when you graduate, if you graduate, if you survive, you go to Quebec, Montreal, York, Ottawa, and everybody looks at you. They're all racist. I think racism, they, they say that racism probably peaked in the late 18, sorry, late, yeah, late 1800s, early 1900s. That's when racism was at its all-time high and, in fact, celebrated in most countries. So these, these whites are going, I'm not going to hire you. You're native. You're indigenous, and you have no skills, and you can't speak properly. You must be stupid. I'm sure they used words other than indigenous. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. And they would, they would have said to them, well, you're, and, and so what it did was it created this environment where they were undereducated, underskilled, so people thought they were lazy and stupid. When really, they weren't lazy and stupid. They were not trained. They weren't taught. And they weren't taught. Yeah. And they weren't fed properly. And that's really important because if you don't feed 
a child properly, they cannot learn. If they can't sleep and they can't eat and they don't get the right nutrients, they're not going to grow properly and their brain is not going to develop properly. So we've already done that. So then some of these people, after they graduate, they go to the cities, they find all this out. Okay. Some of these people, once they leave the residential schooling system, they go back to their tribes. Well, what happens there? They don't speak the language properly. They're of their own, of their, of their forebears. The government has, you know, has these people on reserves. It's not like they're funding them properly. Not much to do. And they don't feel like they're a part of their tribal family. They go back to these tribes and they have missed eight, nine, ten years of development. You think about where you were at five years old to where you were at 15 years old. How much change occurs in your life. Now imagine you're stripped from your family at five and then you're thrown back in with them at 15. How well do you know your mom and dad? How well do you know your aunts and uncles? How well do you know your family traditions? So what happened with these people is they found that they were living between two societies and never fitting in either of them. And they spent their whole lives like that. Isolated, poor, undertrained, not valued, spit on. And it's 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 just, and I am, I am so condensing this. And this happened for years and years and years. The last residential school in in or in in Canada, I believe, closed in 1995. Uh, 1995. Oh. I know we we talked about that before. I can't. I, I honestly can't freaking so, believe it. So and then of course, what else happens when you've got a bunch of children and two or three adults in the middle of the woods and no oversight? Abuse. Kids dying. What do they find? Seven hundred people at one of the schools. Five hundred at another. They're doing, they're doing flyovers now with digital imaging. They're able to look into the ground and find bodies. 700 at one school. Sometimes malnourishment, they just died. The, Sometimes they were beaten to death. Some, they were absolutely sexually abused in many cases. We know that's an issue with religion, in, in organized religion. We know, especially with the Catholic Church, there is inherent problems, as we've seen recently, with people being in positions of power and taking advantage of it when it comes to children, especially when it comes to abuse and sexual abuse. The the number, and I was going to say this off the top when you were talking about it being a Canadian and American issue, the number between Canada and bodies they've found in the States is at 6,509. Wow. So together, that's the total yeah. number so far? So far. So far. And remember, there was hundreds of these schools, mm -hmm. but one school having 700? Bodies. Bodies. And here's the problem. Catholic Church now refuses to release the records. And that is an order that comes from Rome. That's, that's the Canadian version of the Catholic Church. The Canadian arm takes their orders from Rome. The Roman Catholic Church does not want this coming out. They don't want to know. They, they have the records. They're not releasing them. Our, our prime minister said, I'm, I'm disappointed in the church. I'm disappointed. But they have a lot of sway, they have a lot of money, and they have a lot of p political power. And from what I understand, those records have not been released. I think maybe there was some talk that they were going to buckle on that issue. But this is, it's like, you imagine, right? It's imagine not, this is you. It's, it's an inadequate response from the prime minister. Absolutely. And it's completely, and the thing is, there's so many problems in the world right now that a lot of these people and these organizations hope that you forget. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have this day. Truth and Reconciliation Day is 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 there for us to stand aside, listen to uh, people that have been through the school, the residential schooling system, because they're still alive, 
They're like younger than our parents. And, um, and so listen to them record their stories for posterity so that when they, you know, it's, it's like, we've, we've done this with war veterans. We've got all the stories from the world war one veterans, right? Mm-hmm. None of them are around anymore, but we have their stories. We need to do the same right now with the elders in, in the indigenous community who have gone through this. And we need to make sure that if we are going to reconcile and truly make the Canada that we have been sold on, we were sold growing up in our schools that Canada was for everybody. That, you know, the United States was a melting pot. Everybody comes here and you bring your culture, but you become American when you come here. Canada, the the idea was from the 70s about onwards is that you came here, but you retained your culture and your differences. And we celebrated that except for this community, this community, this community, this community, this community. And you can name multiple communities that felt that way. It's so important that we become the Canada that we aspire to be. We are not the Canada that we thought we were. We are not the Canada, not even close to that. If we want to become that, days like today are days where we do not forget what happened here. And it's not even just the elders, right? No. Like, no. The, the last school closed in 1995. Yeah. Uh, we're 33. We had already been in school for several years mm-hmm. in we're 1995. Yeah, and you were about to start school, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's So there are, there are people our age. Mm-hmm. And those people are survivors. Mm-hmm. Because yes. of what those schools were, like those people today should be looked at as survivors of the residential school system because of how horrific it was. Right. So important that important that you you understand that there are many uh, funds, including the most notably the Downey Winjack Fund. Um, you know, there's kids that 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 left and escaped and tried to get home and died. You know, there's so many stories of tragedy here. And this is a country that sells itself internationally as a peacekeeping nation. We love all people. Well, we got to be that at home first. We got to look in our own backyard. And this is the day to do that. So again, we ask you, um, you know, if you don't have any money to donate, that's fine. Do some research, read a little bit. It's going to be a tough read. It's not going to be easy. It's hard. And the reason people resist this is because it's hard. The reason people go, oh, it's not that bad, or they diminish it, and they do, by the way. Many do. Oh, I, I saw one. Oh, all those kids died of tuberculosis. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, that's fine. oh no, that's oh, awesome. phew. <laughs> I was worried it was like, what the? F- yeah, your yeah. point about what not are you trying forgetting, to prove that? I feel, is so important because the way the media cycle works with things today, everything moves so quickly. Mm-hmm. And like, this could have been a like, oh, hot button issue. I believe it was June when they start this really yeah, start to ramp up. We talked and, about it the first and we, time. When we talked about it the first time, they're searching for all them. It could have been something that we moved on from. But now now like now it's about commitment to not forgetting and to keep acknowledging, keep doing the hard work and not forgetting because there's so so many things happen now because of how global news is and the internet and how everyone's connected that we can't just move on from this issue. It needs to be something that is acknowledged constantly and there's constantly being work done and we're always listening to the stories. And and that's why this day itself is important because at least there's something marked on the calendar. Yes. You know? Yeah. And we do, and then we do the work in between the, the 364 days in between that we do the work and then it comes back around and at least, at least there's something there on the calendar for you not to forget. Or you could run a campaign based on what are we going to keep the flag at half mass forever? Okay. (laughs) That's a thing. Is that? That's 100% a thing that happened mm. this Ugh, past federal gosh. election. 
What are, what are we going to feel bad forever? <sighs> yeah, that's the problem. Let's not, let's Your not, feelings. Let's not Your do that. No, don't do that. No, it's... I'm just saying. Don't do that one. Don't argue. Do don't the, argue with the comments. Don't stop re-arguing. <laughs> so listen, um, uh, uh, please check out the resources that Robert Malloy so kindly sourced. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this. Again, I know that that's like, I know we'd all rather sit here and listen to Steve say something funny. I really do. I get that. Uh, but we do have to take time and make time for this as well. Yeah. And, and, and I think... As we go forward, this show's commitment, this network's commitment is to be the best that we can possibly be. It doesn't mean we won't screw up too, but I also will say we we are committed to this. It's important to us. It's important to you. We realize that as, you, as our, our listener base, and we really appreciate you taking the time to listen and understand and explore not just these issues, but other issues as well. But today, it's this. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for listening to the Steve Dangle Podcast. We will be back. Well, tomorrow, all the tomorrow, next day. Saturday, yeah. Sunday, Monday, we're going to be back tonight on oh, uh, yes. on YouTube. Yep, we're going to be hanging out in the premiere chat, and then we're going to be back here tomorrow uh, when you listen to the first episode of our reaction podcast, and then Saturday <laughs> and Sunday, and then Monday with CJ and uh, another reaction, and then Tuesday, two of us. Yes, so jam packed, lots of us. So we'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever feel like we don't make enough stuff? Uh, do you want me to hit the button? Oh, uh, yeah. I thought you were just... Oh. Uh, I could have inserted it, but like now I get to extend it and make it awkward. So you make it... <laughs> you know, most producers' job is to make things better. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I tried to do my favorite thing, which is Adam makes a good outro, and I ruin it. And then you ruin that. Like get it, it on Spotify. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter. At Steve underscore Dangle. At Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.